Okay, I'll call the um, regular meeting of town council on May 9th to order at five o'clock. And we have the agenda in front of us. And uh, do we have any additions or deletions at Team Scale Bell? We do, Your Worship. Uh, the closed session item can be deleted from the agenda. And that's all. Thank you. Okay, would someone care to move the adoption of the agenda? Councillor Good, thank you. All those in favor? Opposed, none, so it's carried. Okay, in front of us we have the minutes of April 25th, and you've had a chance to review them. Has anybody noticed anything that should have an edit? Someone care to move the adoption of the May, April 25th, 2022 minutes? Councillor Carr, thank you. All those in favor? Great, it's carried. Okay, do we have any public hearings? And then your worship. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, presentations. Okay, so we have the uh, uh, first one is for uh, Diane Lavoy, and uh, Diane has worked with the um, MPC um, committee for over 25 years, and uh, we would like to thank her for her service to the committee and to the community over that time. And uh, she has also, um, for many of the years, been the chair of the uh, committee and managed to live through Zoom and quorums and all sorts of things. So I believe we have uh, a plaque, Ms. McQuay? Where, where would it be? It's hiding. Okay, and I think I'm going to ask all councillors to come into the center here with uh, Diane and we'll take a picture. I was saying uh, Wayne Curry was the fellow that I, when I first got I, on board that he, he asked me to join in the so. uh, uh, oh, yeah. Thank 
So thank you again, Diane, and uh, best of luck. And uh, no more uh, short meetings that yet you have to be there, so it might as well be a long meeting sometimes. So that's true. Thank you. <laughs> thank you again. Okay, and um, now we have a presentation on urban beekeeping from Dennis Simon Cinemo. And Dennis, if you wouldn't mind coming to the desk there and uh, you just press the button and the uh, uh, microphone stays on, red, there we go. And uh, we're ready whenever you are. All right, so my name is Dennis Simenel. I'm a resident of Northern Sunrise County. I'm also a beekeeper and I've been around Peace River most of my life. Um, the last 10 years I've been trying to create a beekeeping business in the area and uh, it's been slowly developing over the last few years we've had some hard times on the farm as you probably are aware of this year especially with all the news announcements of the wonderful bee deaths that we're having. Uh, the reason why I wanted to make this presentation is because in the last couple of years I've actually had residents of Peace River approach me to pay me to rent some beehives to put in their backyard for gardening to pollinate. If you're aware of bees, you know how much pollination they can do and they're very effective and very comprehensive to improve their gardens. They will improve your flowers in the area, all that stuff. And I'm also on the lowdown aware uh, that you guys have people with beehives in their on their property in within town limits, and you have no bylaw in place, so you're not having any kind of control over it. And you are also probably aware that bees can be can be dangerous. There is anaphylactic shock which can occur from a bee sting so it is something to be concerned with and if I was to put a set of bees next to someone who had uh, an allergy to bees and my bees were to sting them I have insurance but you might want to try and address that issue for example and you don't want to have I put 32 hives in a bee yard and that can cover quite a large size up to two miles around in pollination and collection of honey and stuff like that I don't think you want to have such a high density in one area. So if, if the neighbors and everybody starts to get along and there's a lot of people who are jumping into the bee world. Hobbyists are approaching me all the time to get information and to come out and do educations. We do tours on the farm and all that wonderful stuff. So we are getting more and more people who do want to have bees and beekeeping in their life. So you may want to, <clears throat> I would suggest that you approach some kind of bylaw in place and a procedure in place for someone to be able to get it while still trying to control it so it doesn't become so rampant uh, within a specific isolated area and maybe over the town. You are surrounded by bees almost completely around town limits. There are some big time operators. I'm just a small guy over in Mary Rain. Uh, but there are some big operators close by and you do have tons of bees coming into town uh, because for some reason these girls just don't listen to me when I tell them not to go somewhere. Um, so it happens all the time, but you also have a lot of people who are approaching me starting to say, hey, I want to have a bee in my backyard. Uh, places like Edmonton, Airdrie, Calgary have bylaws in place 
and they've addressed that issue to try and control it and to, uh, to still allow citizens to have their own beehive and do their own thing for their own little hobby, but at the same time to control it so that they're not overdoing it and not getting kind of any bad effects. So that's what I wanted to come and talk about today was just to kind of give you a bit of an idea and let you know that, hey, you might want to look at it. It doesn't have to be fast, but you might want to look at it and try and put something in place. And I'm more than willing to help to create it. I'm not a citizen of Peace River, so I have a little bit of less skin in the game. But as most of you know, I've been around Peace River most of my adult life, and you all know me or my face or name or something like that. So I want to see Peace River thrive. In particular, with bees. <laughs> uh, that is my passion. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned other areas, they, um, those bylaws, how do they control how many um, hives or? They, what they do is they put a list of, uh, of, uh, of conditions. conditions that you exactly, that you have to meet in order to be allowed to have the beehive in your backyard. And one of the conditions, for example, is you can't have a beehive in your yard if your neighbor already has a yard, for example. You have to get permission from your neighbors to get, just like uh, I think the chicken bylaw that's here in town, you have to ask your neighbors for permission. Uh, if you have, um, a, for example, a rooster that crows too much, then hey, the bylaw comes and visits and says you gotta go. Uh, same with bees, uh, if anybody says no because they're a neighbor. If anybody gets stung too much, you know, one sting is not too bad, but if you start seeing a very large amount, you do have hives that can be very mean. Uh, there are days when I go and get stung a hundred times within an hour. It can occur. Uh, so you do you have keep going to, back, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fool that way. Yeah. Um, so you, you have to address those kinds of uh, that's what they do is they put conditions. There's an application process, for example, in energy where they put the condition where you have to get the approval in neighbor. You have to be able to uh, count how many hives you have within a certain area and then so on down the list. I would recommend going looking at those bylaws as using them as a basis. Um, they are, they look like they were very, very well put together. Yeah, usually bylaws, there's quite a bit of background investigation and stuff that goes into them. Yeah. But uh, counselors, do you have some questions? Any questions, Mr. Samuel? Okay, Councillor Carr, Deputy Mayor. Do, do people generally carry their own insurance if they have a beehive in their backyard? Like yes. You would suggest that? Yeah. I would suggest that. Uh, the town should probably have their own insurance as well because if I'm walking down the street as a tourist and I get stung mm -hmm. I'm not on anyone's property I'm on the town property so the town deal with it. that's why the bylaw has to get put in place to try and address but that's one of the conditions I would definitely recommend if they have some kind of insurance. Do you have any questions? I wasn't aware that there actually were people in town that had these so that was that was news. I'm, I'm not saying it's good or bad I just didn't I just the reason why you haven't heard of it is because they are very well taken care of. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's the thing with me. If you take care of them, 
And I think that's that's been most people's experience with the, the chickens as well. It's those that take care and clean up and there's no smell and they're quite pleasant to have. No, it's adorable yet delicious pets. It's an interesting reward system for doing a lot of hard labor. It is. It is. Any further questions? I wasn't expecting this. But, um, I really appreciate the fact you came down here to talk to us because I think it's something we should take a look at. And I think you both have some eyes today that weren't otherwise that, that was my intent. I mean, if you guys want to talk bees, as some of you know, I'm, I can talk for the next three years and you still won't catch up. Yep. I've been at this for 40 years. I know, I know bees. That's why I wanted to bring it up to make it aware because, like I said, I, I'm aware of a few people that have hives in town. Uh, I'm also aware that there are people who are approaching me, and I would love the revenue for my business. Right. Um, but I want it done right. You know. I don't want. I, I've already said I will not put them until we have the bylaws in place, and, and that's so that's a lost revenue for me. But it's worth it because I don't want. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, so, um, what usually would happen here, Mr. Simonot, if uh, some, uh, if a councillor would like to make a motion uh, directing administration to bring back a um, briefing report uh, about uh, urban beekeeping and uh, perhaps a bylaw suggestion and go from there. Somebody like to do that? I will make such a motion. Um, the only thing I would just say is we are administratively spread a little bit thin this time of year. So um, when you said that your timeline was a little bit of the longer view, that is much appreciated as well. But I will make the motion uh, for admin to bring back a report. And I am willing to help. Thank you. Um, Mrs. McQuaid, did you? Managed to get the okay. Um, and I know um, <clears throat> some of Mr. Semino's um, honey has been uh, in the bags at various conferences that have happened in town, and it's uh, been well appreciated and uh, <laughs> a good memory from Peace River Country. I, I, I can be honest and say that I've had my honey acknowledged as being part of Peace River around the world. I've got honey in the Ukraine. I've got, uh, especially now with everything going on, I've been done doing And I've got honey that's gone to Korea. I've got honey, and they always call me up and say, oh yeah, I want some of that Peace River honey. You guys are actually in the middle of the best area. Peace Country is some of the best production area for Canada around the world. Yeah, I've heard that. And I guess we'd probably be amazed in the products that have some honey something within them. It's not just kind of the sugar stuff, it's lots of things, so yeah. Well, thank you very much for your presentation and bringing this forward to us, and uh, we'll look forward to a further discussion once admin uh, brings it back to us in a bit. That sounds good. Thank you very much for hearing me out. Thank you very much as well. Thank you. Nice sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our next um, presentation is um, with Ms. Sherry Peterson from MNP, and it's a presentation of her 2021 annual financial statements.
we're ready to begin whenever you are as well. Alright, so I uh, do apologize to the crowd. I did not bring a PDF version to follow along. Um, but uh, I do understand that uh, Council has seen a preliminary uh, version of the financial statements, I believe, at the last uh, meeting. So uh, I'll, I'll still go through them in some depth, um, especially because I know there are some uh, new council members at the table that have not sat through my presentation before. Um, and uh, as always, I'm, I'm going to go through the numbers fairly quickly because it's a lot of numbers and it puts people to sleep. But if there are any questions, please raise your hand, shout it out, feel free to interrupt me at any point. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep on plowing through. Um, so I, I guess a, a couple of things to start with is um, just acknowledging that the financial statements are on a consolidated uh, basis. So because of the share that the town has in Peace Regional Waste Management Company, uh, their operations and balances are proportionately consolidated into these financial statements. So when you see the numbers on, especially the, the first statement of financial position, they do include waste management uh, numbers. There's a note at the back that breaks out those numbers. Uh, and then when we go to a lot of the other schedules, um, the, the landfill amounts are broken out, so it's fairly easy to, to separate them from uh, the, the town's <coughs> operations. Um, I guess the second thing kind of as you're going through from the beginning is uh, our auditor's uh, report um, and we have uh, issued uh, an unqualified opinion which is always the, the hope and, and desire at the end of the day that we're going to um, have an opinion that the, the financial statements are, are not materially misstated um, as at the, the date that we are auditing. So um, that that is the, the conclusion that uh, we, we came to after our uh, procedures. Um, so I guess then we can start going through some numbers. Uh, so if you want to go to the uh, one that has page four at the bottom where we start having a bunch of numbers, uh, the, the consolidated statement of financial position, um, very similar to, to a balance sheet that you may see in other companies. Um, and just a reminder too that these are at December 31st. Uh, so the, the numbers as of today may, may look um, somewhat or, or very much different, but the, the dates that we are um, providing opinion on is at December 31st. So the uh, first cash uh, and equivalent there of, of 8.7 million, um, that is by and large um, town funds. Uh, the waste management fund is only about 200,000 of that. Um, so at December 31st, there's about two and a half million in the main bank account. 2.3 million ish in credit union investments, about three and a half in Treasure Branch uh, investments. So uh, some of them are um, quite liquid and, and quick access, and then the other ones are trying to earn a little bit of interest as, as we can. Uh, on the receivables, uh, taxes and grants in lieu receivable, 2.3 uh, million. So that's made up of a couple numbers. Uh, 1.8 million is sort of the the regular uh, annual taxes uh, that have yet to be collected. Uh, 1.3 is the local improvements. Um, so these ones are going to be collected over a period of time as, as those um, bylaws and, and related debentures uh, pay out. 
Uh, and then there's about $700,000 in allowance for doubtful accounts um, that has been set up um, in, in the event that some of those amounts cannot be collected. Um, and if you can recover any of those funds in tax sale or things like that, then that's fantastic. Um, but you do want to identify those uh, accounts that, that are tough to collect. Uh, the receivable from other governments, um, about 200000 of that is GST, and the rest is mostly grant money, so um, money that has been applied for from uh, the, the infrastructure grants or um, the, the MSI or um, used to be the gas tax fund that have been allocated to you but not paid out to you yet um, is, is what is sitting in that receivables number of $8 million. On the trade and other receivables line there of uh, $3.2 million, um, probably about half of that is um, the December billing to your municipal partners uh, for, for their uh, second half payment. And I think all of them had been collected by the time we were doing our field work in, in March there. Um, 700000 of that is the December and, and kind of unpaid utility amounts. Uh, and everything else is sort of your other departments, um, FCSS arena, you know, those kinds of things that you build for. Land inventory held for resale. So there's some of those little pieces of property that are hidden here, there, and everywhere uh, that uh, the, the town owns and, and they are available for sale. Um, and they're recorded at the, the lesser of the, the cost or the assessed value. So about 28000 on that. And then the long-term investments is some old shares hanging on from um, I think the old ACFA um, that, uh, that are there. Uh, so total financial assets of uh, just under 22 and a half million. Okay, all right so far. On the liabilities side, uh, so not into the line of credit at the end of the year, which is good. Uh, the accounts payable and accrued liabilities of uh, three million. So again, I mean, some of the big numbers in there um, the third and fourth quarter of uh, policing, um, it's about 800,000, uh, about 600,000 in construction holdbacks so that paid out as the projects are completed, um, you know, and, and everything uh, payables on, on your construction projects and utilities and, and all those kinds of things that, that happen um, around here. And, uh, deposit liabilities uh, is the deposits on the utility accounts. Uh, of course, you're not uh, collecting those uh, in most circumstances now, so that's just kind of getting paid out as people are moving out and, and amounts are being applied against accounts. The uh, deferred revenue of $11.5 million. Um, so the, there's a few kind of big ones in there. Um, and again, some of them are ones that have been uh, allocated to you and some of them are ones that you've actually received. So about 3.8 million in MSI capital, um, the water and wastewater uh, grant of 2.7, STIP grant of 1.6, um, getting a little gas tax of about one and a half. So then there's a note that breaks down some of these a little bit further too. Uh, the employee benefit um, obligations is uh, the vacation overtime payable at the end of December. Uh, Long-term debt of uh, 25 million. So there was uh, new debt of about 3.7 this year. Uh, principal payments about 1.6. Um, so that's sort of the the shift in in the long-term debt number. Uh, 
Um, the next two are ones that consolidate in from uh, waste management company. Uh, so the, the town's portion of the uh, due to related parties so that they do transactions with from the Sunrise County because they pay for their payroll and those kinds of things. So um, they, they pay them back. And the uh, post-closure liability, of course, anytime you've got um, uh, a landfill, you have to be putting aside amount of money to meet the government regulations when you close it up and have to spend a bunch of money there. So that's just the town's share on those. Uh, so total liabilities of 44 million. Uh, so if we take that off the financial assets, uh, of 22, we end up with uh, net financial debt of, of uh, 21 million. And again, a lot of that is if we've got the deferred grants uh, to be spent and the long term debt that we paid out uh, over time um, to uh, that uh, are, are not currently covered by the current cash levels. Uh, the non financial assets so these are things that you can't really sell or that you can't really convert to, to cash. Uh, so the, the net book value of, of the town's um, tangible capital assets, about $129 million. Uh, your share of the uh, landfill amounts, which is shy of $2.5 million. Uh, and then the prepaids, and those are just timing things where you have, you know, a, a service contract that overlaps your end or software licensing or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so uh, $29,000 in the prepaids. So we have uh, 131 million in non-financial assets. Uh, add that to that uh, 21 net financial debt, and we end up with the accumulated surplus of uh, 110 million. How are we doing? Okay. No questions. We're going to carry on. Nobody's asleep. That's good. Uh, so the next page is uh, the statement of financial activities and accumulated surplus. So basically the income statement uh, for, for the town. Um, so the, the top section there is the uh, operating revenues. Um, and as you can see, really for the most part, most of the lines fairly similar. Uh, the waste management company is split out onto its own line there, so it's easy to, to pull that amount. Uh, the government transfers for operating up quite a bit. Um, there was uh, the 813 um, municipal stimulus uh, grant um, that happened this year, and also the increase in your intermunicipal um, arrangement uh, had had some additional cash in this year too. Um, so that's that's probably the the number that changed the, the most on the revenue side. Um, penalties, franchise contracts, very similar. Other revenues. So I mean, those would be things like recovered costs. Uh, insurance proceeds, donations, uh, those types of things would, would go into the revenue. So total operating revenues of uh, 25.4 million. On the expense side, um, the first thing I'd like to just mention is um, when you're looking at these expenses, the town doesn't currently budget for amortization, but there is amortization expense included in the expenses. So when you're looking and comparing the budget to the actual, um, don't be alarmed, especially in certain departments, transportation, um, water, wastewater, recreation parks, um, will have you know fairly significant amortization expenses um, that aren't included in in the budget. Um, so on the um, start going through the legislative um, again, we had talked about the allowance for for doubtful accounts, um, and there was a fairly big uh, adjustment made to to that. Um, 
in, in 2021. And so that's um, the, the bulk of, of the, the large jump in, in legislative. So again, it's not a, uh, a, a cash outflow per se, other than it's a case of whether we're gonna be able to collect that cash in as, as revenue. Um, administration, uh, you know, fairly similar. Um, protective services, um, the policing was up a little bit there. Um, again, there was some um, bad debts written off uh, on, on the protective services side um, that, that bumped those numbers up a little bit from, from prior year. The transportation, so again, this is the one where you see the big difference from transportation, or from the budget amount to the actual. Um, the, the amortization expense is about three and a half million uh, on that, so, um, you know, if we, we added that into the budget, that would have brought it up to about eight million. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of the other expenses, I, I kind of went through everything and nothing was significantly higher than budget, a little bit in salaries here and there, a little bit, you know, materials, um, and uh, it just kind of adds up there, but, but still ended up less than the prior year. Uh, the water supply and distribution, again, really the, the difference between budget and actual is amortization. It's about 800,000, uh, so if you add that to the budget amount, it's pretty much, pretty much bang on there. Uh, wastewater treatment and disposal, again, very similar to budget per year. Um, repairs and maintenance were actually down a little bit on, in that department. Um, waste management, again, kind of in line. East Region Waste Management Company separated out. Um, public Health and Economic Development, their organization is about 265. So again, if you add that to, to the budget, we're, we're kind of in line. Councillor Shannon, I have a question for that one. Absolutely. Sure. I'm just curious to, to why Public Health and Economic Development are on the same, share the same line. It's, a, it's sort of a standard with smaller municipalities to, to have it. <laughs> that way. Um, they show up in similar places in the statistics return for, for the provincial government. Um, you know, if, if council, as, as long as I can fit it all on the same page, um, we can certainly split that out uh, in the future. There's no regulation that says it has to be that way. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't know offhand what the split would be now, would you? Or, or um, no one off the top okay. of my head. And then, um, uh, what else was I going to ask you about that one? Yeah, that was all. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Very much. Mm -hmm. Councilor Carr? You said you, you indicated there was bad debt in protective services. What would that be? Fines that were uncollectible? Uh, yeah, so setting up um, radar fines, um, some old stuff from uh, back when uh, the EMS, there was still some old stuff sitting from way back in the day there. Um, that's kind of the two. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions on the expense side there? Okay, uh, so we end up with uh, total expenses of, of 28 million. Uh, so if we uh, subtract that from uh, the, the revenue, uh, ending up with a shortfall of, of uh, 2.6 million. Um, and then in the others, so development levies and other contributions there, 
the, the big one that kind of stands out that's kind of a one-timer this year is uh, the donated asset, and that's the net book value of the airport um, assets that, that were transferred out to the new uh, association. So again, that's um, just a, a one-timer one there. Um, and then the government transfers for capital of one and a half million, so those are the um, capital grants that were applied to projects. So um, about 1.2 million MSI and about 300 of the, I still call it gas tax, but um, so that's what uh, uh, was, was applied to the capital projects. Um, so again, we end up with um, the, the shortfall there of, of 12 million, but again, 11 and a half of that almost is, is that donated asset that is non-cash, just net book value of assets that have come out of the books of, of the town. Uh, if we add that to the beginning number, then we get the accumulated surplus that is hopefully the same number as on the last page, and it is. Um, okay, so I mean, the, those two pages are kind of the meat and potatoes. Most everything else is just regurgitating kind of the same um, information. Um, so, um, for COVID, there was transfers in and whatever from different levels of government for um, different programs they had. Um, can, did that really affect the bottom line too much? So, I mean, I know the, like I say, on the, on the operating um, grant revenues, um, so there was the, the 813 uh, municipal stimulus, and then uh, if I remember correctly, well, and I think it'll show in one of the schedules a little bit, the uh, intermunicipal amount is up about a million from what it was the year before. Um, now, some of that I suspect is not COVID related and is, you know, long term. Um, but uh, yeah, there would be some of that that would be sort of one-time things, um, but not, you know, probably to the tune of millions and millions of dollars that are really going to throw things out. Nothing that you probably don't have costs that would offset that you also won't have, um, you know, so the hope is it'll, it'll kind of settle out. Um, so if we go to the uh, next page, page six, um, so this is uh, a reconciliation of um, the net financial debt number. Um, and I think this one is sort of interesting because you can kind of see the impact of the capital. So, you know, actual cash out for capital for the year of 8.2 million as compared to the amortization expense of 6.3. So again, the impact that that is gonna have on your, your um, actual surplus for the year is gonna largely depend on how much capital activity you have in a year. If you have more than what amortization is, you're probably going to show um, uh, you know, surpluses, whereas if it's less than what your amortization is, it'll show off as a deficit just because, you know, one is cash outflow versus accounting paper number, okay? Um, and again, when you have more cash outflow for projects, typically you have more cash inflow from grants, right? So that's when you'd see kind of your surpluses go up is because you're going to have higher capital grant revenue than you would in a year where you don't have a lot of capital activity, okay? So it really is the capital that can kind of fluctuate your ending surplus year to year. Um, okay, um, the next one, page seven, is your cash flow statement. Uh, again, I think this is interesting kind of at the high level. 
so the, the first grouping there is your operating. So this includes um, your operating and your capital grants, um, the actual tax cash that came in, um, those kinds of things. So operating cash in of uh, 8.5 million, uh, but basically that ended up being spent then on, on the capital projects. So there's cash outflow of 8.4. Um, so then the, the new financing, um, I think I mentioned before, the 3.7 in versus the 1.6 out. So really when we look at that increase in cash of the 2.2, it's largely from the debt that was taken on. Okay, so the operating wise was more, mostly the cash came in and it was spent out on capital. Which for the most part is sort of the intent, right? That that, that kind of balances out. Okay, the next page, page eight is a sideways one. Um, I'm not going to go through this in a whole lot of detail other than just to kind of say that, so that accumulated surplus number that we're balancing to is made up of three numbers. The largest by far is the equity and the tangible capital assets. So basically, for if we say here's what the value of the town is, well, by and large, the value of the town is in you know the roads, the pipes, the buildings, the whatever. Uh, then we have the restricted surplus, which are the reserves, uh, and then the unrestricted surplus is kind of what's left after the other two. You bet. I have a question on, where did it go? New debt issue. Mm -hmm. So the 4.461 of um, 2020, is that the amount borrowed for 2020? That's how much money was born in 2020. That's correct, yes. And then an additional 3.735 in 2021. That's correct, yes. Okay, thanks. Assets, we talked about that. Can we circle? Should be okay. Uh, page nine, uh, tangible capital assets. Again, this is just taking that number, breaking it out into more detail so you can see by category how much was added in um, the disposal. So the, the bulk of that is um, the um, transfer out for the, for the airport assets. Uh, you can see by category how much is amortized and uh, the, the amortization that was transferred out on, on those buildings. So kind of see the flow of the tangible capital assets there. Next page, page 10, uh, property taxes. So again, just on the um, statement of operations, it just shows the net number um, and, and this breaks it out so you can see the, the requisitions and um, the, the real versus linear. For, for an urban municipality, that's not as, as impressive as uh, some of the rural ones. Um, those numbers can change quite drastically, but we report it anyway. Uh, page 11, um, schedule four. Um, so, uh, Mayor Manzer, you, you were you know, questioning sort of the difference in the, the grant. So this is kind of a good place to see, you know, here's some of the, the new you can see on the, the operating, the other local governments, um, you know, increase there of, of about one million, but that, you know, was part of the plan and had been budgeted for and everything kind of um, fell fell into place there. Um, on the, the capital ones, those ones, uh, you know, will typically um, be a little bit off from budget, uh, typically because you'll budget for a whole project. 
and say well, this is the grant money we're getting for the whole project when that project will go over a few years. So you know while you may end up getting that amount of money for the capital um, grants, you won't all get it all in one year. It'll be over you know the two or three years or whatever the project is. Um, okay, so that's the breakdown of the grants. Uh, page 12, uh, so the first um, statement of operations, we had the expenses were done by department, so it was legislative, uh, transportation, record parks, whatever. Uh, this one is done by the type of expense. Um, so you can see it's a little bit different format here. Uh, salaries and wages, you know, pretty similar to, to last year. Um, the, the contracted and, and general services, so um, you know, again, we talked about the policing being up a little bit. Um, with the transfer to the airport, um, you know, along with that is the, the uh, grant to kind of help them get started and, and going. Um, and so that falls under the, the contracted um, uh, expense there. Um, so, so those are kind of the two um, increases on, on that line. Um, materials, goods, and supplies, again, kind of the offset of that is well, now you don't have you know the utilities and all those kinds of things for the airport, so those types of expenses were down, um, and strangely, street lighting expense was down. So, um, you know that that kind of filtered out there. Um, most everything else, the provision for reclamation that transfers in from the landfill, um, the amortization. So the landfill does budget for their amortization. So when you see that line of, of six hundred thousand. Um, that's that's just their budget line uh, compared to the total of, of 6.8 uh, and again the big drop is um, having transferred out those airport assets they're no longer being being amortized um, and other expenses fairly similar and I think the biggest one in there is that's where the taxi pass program expenses go um, so so total revenue or total expenses there sorry of, of 28 million okay um, so the next page, page 13, is another sideways one. And this basically takes those two um, uh, income statements and smushes them together. So now not only do we have it sort of split by department, as well as we can kind of fit on the page without being teeny tiny, um, then you can also see the type of expense, um, you know, salaries and wages and contract and, and things like that. So um, this is kind of an interesting one to see, you know, to, to what extent the different departments are kind of self-sufficient or not. And then on page 14, we just show the prior year um, as, as comparative numbers. Okay, so that is by far the, the bulk of it. Um, the notes of page 15, 16, and 17 are all accounting policies. I am not gonna go through those at all. Uh, page 18, note two, cash and cash equivalents. And again, most of this is just kind of details or notes that, that I made as, as we were going through. Um, so I'm, I'm not gonna spend a whole bunch of time through these ones. Um, page 19, note six, uh, breaks out the deferred revenue um, a little bit more. Um, benefit obligations, so again, you can see the vacation and overtime. Note uh, eight, long-term debt. Um, so uh, again, I mean, by by and large, the the debt that the town has is um, well, it used to be ACFA, but it's just under the 
of our treasury now. Um, but basically what you would know is debenture borrowing. Um, there's one uh, bank loan um, and one capital lease and uh, one agreement with uh, County of Northern Lights um, for, for a project that they had um, support payments on um, that, that make up the total debt. Um, and then uh, we're required to, to break out the, the principal and interest portions over the next five years. Uh, then we have disclosures on interest rates and, and things like that. So um, if you could just speak to the long-term debt. So am I reading this correctly that by 2026, um, we would have paid off about 10 million in the principal? That's, yeah. That is correct, yes. Yeah, and then the sort of unfortunate, depending on the situation, uh, part of those loans, unless they've changed something, is it's almost impossible to prepay them. Yeah. You know, so so a lot of debt, if, if you happen to have cash and you think, oh, this is great, let's reduce our, our interest payments and, and pay down some of this, is they don't uh, allow that, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but. Uh, we're not usually in that position. Isn't that it? Sounds good. But that, if my memory is correct, <clears throat> from previous discussions, that inability to pay off is also the corollary to their having a lower rate than other people. So you make a trade. That's correct. You get the lower rate because you don't. You're not going to. You're not going to pay it off. So over time, it kind of equals up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and again, very, I've seen, I, I think, again, for the number of municipalities to do and the number of years I've been doing this, um, I've seen one try, you know, they, they sort of, oh, look, we've got extra money, let's try and pay off this debt, and no go. Um, so, I, again, it's, it's, not, it's not something that comes up very often, but. Uh, um, any other questions on, on the debt side there? Um, Page 21, just breaks out the wasteland. So uh, again, kind of tied into to the debt there. Um, so um, note 11, uh, debt limits under uh, the MGA, um, there, there are restrictions based on um, the revenues of the municipality as to how much debt you can take on um, without having special uh, ministerial approval um, to, to take on more debt. Uh, so based on the, the revenues of, of the town, your debt limit uh, is, is 38 million, and at the end of uh, December, uh, you were at 25 uh, million of that. Uh, and then they also have um, uh, calculation for debt servicing, which is the principal and interest that you're gonna be paying in the next year, um, which is also based on, on your revenue number. Um, and for your debt servicing, the allowable amount would be 6.3, um, and the, the expected debt servicing for, for the next year is about 2.6. Okay. Um, next page, 22, uh, note 13. So again, this is just a little bit more detail on that accumulated surplus number, um, mostly on uh, the, the reserve side, on the restricted surplus side. Um, so you can kind of see what um, the, the current um, reserve structure uh, is. Um, broken out a little bit more detail. So essentially on that, uh, 
discussion. Um, the reserves um, are rather unfunded for the most part. But for the most part, there, there is there has been a little bit of improvement made on that for, mm -hmm. from prior year. Last year they were fully unfunded. Yeah. Um, this year I think we're hundred or hundred and fifty thousand kind of in, in Good, but uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the the reserves are currently largely unfunded. And that's really our town's dilemma, in a sense. Uh, that uh, yeah, um, certainly. Would, I mean, it's it's um, the the struggle to plan for the future versus dealing with you know current issues and costs and and what have you um you know um and you know and, and some of the, the the money will come in so for example i mean there's there's the the local improvements um reserve there of, of 1.3 well that's basically offset by the receivable because you will be you know charging people that on their tax levies o over time so uh, you know the, that one is is to a point kind of self-funded um but you know in terms of the the general operating one you know when when you look at the the money that you have in the bank well you know you've got 11 million of deferred revenue compared to the number in the bank you know so that's kind of already been spoken for for future projects um, now again some of those may apply to some of the things that these reserves were set up for um, but they may not okay the next page page 23 note 14 um, again under the MGA um, we're required to uh, disclose the, the amounts paid to, to council and to um, designated uh, officers. So that's what note 14 is. Uh, note 15 is um, the, the town is participant in local 30s pension plan. Um, so it just discloses how much uh, is being paid on that. And uh, they, they dug themselves out of uh, quite a, a bit of a hole. But uh, I think they were about Five billion to the deficit five or ten years ago, so so they've managed to to swing out. But um. so that is a, a pension plan that um, <coughs> do employees pay into it? It is, yeah, yeah, and uh, matched and by employer uh, and, and, and a little bit above, yeah, okay. yeah. Um. Page 24, note 16, uh, commitments. Um, again, you know, there's various contracts that you have. Uh, um, you know, one of the bigger ones is, is that, that airport um, one, so we're just documenting that. Um, contingencies, um, so, you know, there's the old kind of Munich insurance exchange one that's still kicking around. Um, that the, the last I heard, there hasn't been any claims made on that for, for a few years now. Um, <coughs> loans uh, and agreements with Curling Club and Ski Hill, um, and then just kind of the general, um, the, the legal contingencies notes, which we have in, in most of our uh, finance statements. Um, 
note 18 financial instruments um, and again I mean sort of the point behind that one is just again saying that the one of the biggest risks with with any entity quite honestly is being able to collect your revenue you know it's all fine to budget that this is how much tax we're we're gonna charge and this is how much tax revenue we have but if you're not actually collecting that tax to be able to then use it to pay your expenses then you know that's that's a, a risk to to operations um, so again that's not uncommon to to what we see in, in most of our files. Um, page 25, note 20. So again, these are the, the numbers from the waste management company, as I mentioned. Um, so you know, if you want to be able to, to pull out um, which numbers are, are theirs versus uh, town amounts, that's where that one is. Um, the last page, post closure, again, a little bit more detail on that amount from the landfill. Uh, note 22 impact on operations because COVID is still kind of floating around there's still potential uh, impact so we still have that note in there uh, the donated assets I just put that in to have a little bit more information on where that uh, 11.4 million dollars is coming from and then the last one just hopefully approval of the financial statements How long would you have spent in the office uh, coming up with the details and make this report? Like, is it a week? Is it? Oh, well, I, I've gotten better at doing the statements. I can do the statements if they balance the first time. I can do them in about a day. If they don't balance, then it depends on how long it takes me to balance. Um, but no, like for for your audit, all of our time, like in office and out of office, it's. Uh, 225 hours, you know, my time, staff time, partner time, reviewer time. Yeah, you're big on it. You have a lot down the go. Um, counselors, any further questions on this? Um, I should mention to everyone that, um, Um, I should mention that uh, Council um, did see a draft of um, the audited financial statement and has uh, asked questions at that point in time. So um, it's not our first go around at it, but it's um, good that councillors have another uh, chance to look at it and ask further uh, questions. Um, I should ask, is there anything that you uh, would want to bring uh, to our attention in a closed session? Um, if you'd like to meet and, and go through management letter and uh, um, audit findings, I'd be more than happy to do that, sure. Okay. Um, I would say that uh, that would be something we should do then right away, because you're here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, we don't get to approve these sort of things. Um, would uh, a councillor uh, move us into closed session? You're not going to ask if the public has anything to say, as usual? Uh, not right now. Um, so, Councillor Good has moved us into closed session, first of all. So, I have to ask all those in favour of that. Opposed? Okay, so we're moving into closed session. Uh, I think this shouldn't take too, too long, so. Uh... I think uh, 
maybe we have a uh, motion to accept the audited statement as um, presented, I guess, or approve the audited financial statement. Councilor Good? You're moving now? Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't ask. The so moved. Thank you very much. Um, okay. All, any, any discussion? All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you very much. Okay. So now we're back to uh, bylaws, and we have a request for decision with respect to the 2116 2022 tax rate bylaw, and I believe Director Websdale is here to um, take us through. Council, could you just give me a few seconds just to get it open in front of me? So I just got the request for decision pertaining to the 2022 tax rate bylaw. We've discussed it a little bit with Council. So basically, just to, it's necessary to have a bylaw that we as administration can then use to levy for our municipal taxes and for the Alberta School Foundation, North Peace Housing Foundation, and some of the process. I can't remember, you don't have it on your screen in front of you. Page 9 of 186 is what, what I've gone on right now. And there's a little bit of background information on the assessment from year to year. <clears throat> so you can see some of the, the changes there in the single family residential. Um, by and large, very modest changes. A little bit of increase there in the assessment on commercial and on the apartments. You see the growth there, 2.9, 2%. And the total assessment for the town up about just under 1%. So fairly static, all things considered. Um, a little bit of background onto page 10 of 186, just giving some of the historical, the recent past of what we're looking at, of what we'll be living, and some of the challenges that we face, particularly the RCMP retro, and then a little breakdown there of what a typical residential property at those average values, that 252,000, and showing the difference of all other things being equal, about a $38, let me think here for a minute, increase in the tax bill. In the bylaw itself, on page 11 of 186 now, and just walking through the details of some of the math as to the number that's necessary for us to levy as taxation, some of the qualifiers of adjustments that we have to make to obtain the full amount, and then again, just a listing of the assessed values broken down by classes, and then the details of what the different taxation rates are between residential non-residential farmland and machinery and equipment and then into the actual rates. Is there any questions on this bylaw? Doesn't seem to be. We have had many discussions on it. Put it that way. <laughs> I guess you would say for the viewers at home, this bylaw is necessitated by all the decisions we've already made around the budget already. So while it may seem we're just going to happily shoo this thing along and not discuss it, it's because those discussions that you're as you know, Madam Mayor said, we've 
we've already been round and round the merry-go-round during budget, so this is kind of necessitated by all that that we just have to pay for it all. So the assessed value of everything went up a wee bit by looking just at the total assessment figures? It would be a change of about, for all intents and purposes, about 1%, very modest. I spoke briefly with our assessor for his thoughts on that number, and he said really it's, things are fairly static here within the valley, within our municipal limits, and he said more than anything else what you're seeing is probably just an inflationary pressure on the pricing, more so than market demand increasing. Okay, so anything further, Mr. Webstale, or we can move into? Nothing more for me, Your Worship. Okay, so the uh, recommendation is that Council provide first, second, and third readings to this bylaw. Would someone care to uh, point us through first reading? I'll move first reading. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Any discussion? All those in favor of first reading of uh, bylaw 2016-2022 tax rate bylaw. Okay, all those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. And maybe next up, Councillor Good? Sure. Councillor Good moves second, yes. second reading. <laughs> Councillor Good moves second reading of bylaw uh, 2116, the 2022 tax rate bylaw. Any discussions on that? All those in favor? Okay then, in order to get to third reading, uh, this is one of the ones where we need someone to move that we go to third reading. And if it does, if it fails, then we cannot go there. So it needs- I move to third reading. Thank you, Councillor Shannon. All those in favor of third reading? Opposed? It's carried. Councillor Carr, would you like to move third reading of this bylaw? Okay, Councillor Carr moves third reading. Uh, all those in favor? It is carried. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Webstale. And I think now we have a different one, or now we're on to the um, utility rate bylaw 2117 and Director McQuake. If you wish. Evening, Your Worship and Council. For you tonight, uh, just uh, bringing forward the utility rate bylaw 2117 2022. And uh, as previously discussed uh, uh, with the budget deliberations and our discussions uh, during the GMP session, just bringing for you uh, the utility rate bylaw for approval. So as we've uh, stated, uh, moving to a full rate recovery uh, on uh, our water, our wastewater and storm sewer. Uh, so reflected in those monthly rates, uh, both the fixed and variable rate and uh, phasing that fixed rate in over two years is what you're seeing uh, for this year. Uh, I have reached out to 
uh, County and Northern Lights on the Dixonville waterline, so they're aware that these changes are coming, and uh, they have uh, to date uh, stated no opposition to these rates uh, at this point, uh, and no going to go through the next steps and just kind of re redo kind of uh, that agreement between ourselves and County and Northern Lights. I expect that one to go fairly smoothly since. Uh, uh, rates are very much in their favor going forward. Um, so there we've got uh, the two options there either to uh, provide first, second, and third readings to bylaw 2117, the 2022 utility rate bylaw, or that council directs administration to amend uh, said bylaw and bring it back for further review. Any questions? So once again, uh, Council has uh, deliberated on this uh, topic um, several times and at great length <laughs> in the past few months. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, detailed work that has gone into these reports. So, councillors, further questions though? Would we care to move along? Deputy Mayor, do you want to? Sure, I'll go first reading uh, for bylaw 2117, the 2022 utility rate bylaw. Okay, thank you very much. Gotta keep track of these. Um, and we should also add in your worship that this also is a bylaw for appeal bylaw 2086, which is the existing utility rate bylaw. Okay. That's all baked motion? into the cake, correct? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. The motion is. As is. Okay. So, um, uh, Deputy Mayor has moved first reading of bylaw 2117 and a repeal to bylaw 2086 to update the waters, water and sewer rates as per the 2022 budget. All those in favor of that motion? Thank you. It is carried. Someone would care to move to second reading? Councillor Carr. Councillor Carr moves second reading to the same um, uh, wording. And all those in favor of that? Would someone care to move us forth to third reading? Councillor Shannon. Councillor Shannon um, moves that we go to third reading. All those in favor? Opposed? No. Carried. Um, third reading. Councillor Good moves third reading to this bylaw of 2017 and a bylaw to repeal 2086, updating the water sewer rates as per the 2022 budget. All those in favor? Carried. Okay. Well, thank you very much again. And now we're on to um, the 20, 2018, the 2022 fees and charges bylaw. And we have Director McQuay for this one. Yes, Your Worship. I'll lead off in a discussion and invite my fellow directors to comment on the particular sections. Uh, so before you, uh, we have the uh, 2022 fees and charges bylaw, which we uh, go through and revise annually. Uh, so uh, this uh, uh, bylaw also repeals the previous bylaw uh, before being adopted forward. Uh, we've got a number of changes uh, to this year. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll start off with uh, Corporate Services. Uh, Director Webster, do you want to just kind of touch on your changes? 
changes for corporate services were fairly moderate. One of them was just acknowledging NSF fees in general, increasing that slightly. And then we were informed that as a community, we were maybe a little affordable on the tax certificate fees. So we brought them more in line with surrounding municipalities. And those were the two major changes for us. There might have been a couple smaller ones, but those are the ones that certainly stand out. Acting CEO Bell, would you like to comment on the community resources? Ours are less moderate within the community services department as it reflects the um, very service oriented programs and, and operations within the the department. Um, as per conversations with the with council in regards to the budget, there was a two percent increase applied to predominantly all rental rates um, and most admission rates. Some admission rates, though, uh, received a, a higher percentage just to be efficient with cash handling. So, for example, at the pool, if you're increasing a rate. Um, by 2%, it might work out to $4.39. It's not efficient for the customer nor the receptionist to manage. Um, we don't have pennies anymore, so that there'd be a whole other issue. So we rounded up or down as the case was uh, for each uh, admission rate to make it manageable and more efficient for both parties. Um, all other rental rates did increase by 2% at all the major facilities and also lessening course fees uh, adjusted accordingly. And additionally, some uh, varying amounts were much higher or lower depending on the, the course. We have new, uh, no longer is it Red Cross swimming lessons. Red Cross is ceasing their swimming lesson um, mandate as it were so it's life-saving society swimming lessons so still good quality all sorts of great um, swimming lessons information but the cost of materials is slightly different and so there's some adjustments so we we adjusted the rates accordingly the one uh, rate that was not highlighted within excuse me the RFD was the home support um, fees this is the home support program under FCSS our predominant users are seniors, but also it is available for individuals with disabilities and short-term medical needs. So there has been a slight increase because we have not changed these rates and we recognize over seven plus years, uh, approximately a 50 cents um, per hour increase. So our lowest rate is 550. It was previously $5, so modest, rate increase but uh, some recognition of the cost are increasing in rates so this is what the individual would pay for that correct per hour rate yeah. and it's there's a full rate fee sliding scale within the home support program and it's based on income um, so there there's a quite a varied rate with the highest rate being a little over 23 dollars an hour so market value rate some clients choose to use the town just for the bonding and the um, they feel more comfortable than a private industry per se. So that's a, a quick synopsis of our rate increase.
And I think the other important thing to note, this bylaw would not be effective until July 1st. So that gives administration an opportunity to make sure we, one, inform our clients and the public of rate increases. And we're, right now, at most of the facilities have already booked uh, swimming lessons for July. That, that process is, the train has left the station. Um, we're already doing that. So a lot of the increases won't impact uh, the general public until the fall or even um, later than that. And then under our engineering infrastructure, a lot of it was uh, just uh, providing some more clarity uh, on our uh, development and planning sections, especially things like around encroachment fees, which uh, reflects the uh, encroachment policy that we've uh, just uh, previously reviewed. Uh, one thing that came up was a new non-profit category that wasn't previously discussed with Council and was added and the non-profit category decreases the annual encroachment fee to a dollar per year which is more consistent in the approach of how the town waives the annual property tax requirement for most uh, non-profit organizations and then uh, a reorganization of development fees and permits uh, providing some additional clarification under there uh, statutory plan and land use bylaw amendment fees. Uh, so we've deleted uh, to amend any statutory plan or land use bylaw, including the land use bylaw, municipal development plan, area structure plan, single fee amendment, regardless of the number of documents being amended, and in its place added where there's substantial overlap and minimal extra cost uh, to, to the town or workload associated with multiple plan amendments. A single amendment application fee may apply at the, the manager planning and development's discretion. Uh, this approach is also how uh, recent plan amendments uh, have been built. However, in the case of very small, very similar and small amendments to multiple bylaws, may be possible or reasonable to charge a single fee. So just kind of reflect that into the fees and charges bylaw updates. Uh, so before council uh, provided uh, three options, one that council provide first, second, and third readings to bylaw 2118, the fees and charges bylaw, that option two, return the bylaw to administration for further review and direction for changes, or option three, that council accepts uh, their request as information. So our hope that uh, council provides first, second, and third readings to bylaw 20.18, the fees and charges bylaw, and welcome any questions you may have. So basically, as I'm understanding it, if the fees have gone up, they've been less than the cost of inflation. Really? Uh, we'll say that uh, when we go through the fees and charges, we also look at our <coughs> neighboring municipalities as well to make sure that you know we're fairly in line with or even slightly lower than what our other municipalities are charging. Well, the one about maybe in some cases being able to charge a single fee rather than a whole bunch of little ones sounds like a good red tape reduction plan. Exactly. Any further questions, councillors? I'm ready to move. Um, are we repealing anything? We're just moving this time.
there is a repeal of 2084, which is built into the bylaw. It's actually in there in two different places. So it is very, very repealed. So we don't have to put it in this part this time. No, you do not. Okay, so Deputy Mayor, you're moving uh, first reading to bylaw 2118, the fees and charges bylaw. Absolutely. Very good. Does he need to say for 2022 or anything in that? Good to go. Okay. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you. Um, Councillor Shannon, would you like to move second reading? Sure, I can move second reading. That would be very good. Any questions, discussion? All those in favor? It is carried. Thank you. Um, would someone care to move us to go to third reading? Councillor Good moves us to go to third reading. Um, any discussion? Okay, all those in favor? Opposed, it is carried. Uh, Councillor Carr, would you like to move third reading? I could certainly move third reading. It's working out very well for this group today. <laughs> um, okay, so Councillor Carr moves third reading of bylaw 2118, the fees and charges bylaw. Any discussion? All those in favor? Opposed, it is carried. Thank you very much, uh, directors. I know a lot of thought and some angst has gone into uh, the preparation of uh, these documents, but they're a necessary thing in order to keep managing. Um, uh, Councillor, well, first of all, any unfinished business? I see none. So I would like to propose that we take a 10 minute break and uh, well, let's say come back at 10, uh, 10 o'clock. <laughs> Come back at seven o'clock. Gives you eight minutes. <laughs> okay, so seven o'clock. So uh, our next item is uh, new business and a request for decisions for proclamation of Public Works Week, National Accessibility Week, and Economic Development Week. And I believe our communications coordinator, Megan Bouchard, is going to um, lead us through this. So thank you, Your Worship and Council. Uh, currently, we have three proclamation requests. The first is for Economic Development Week. It comes from the Economic Developers Alberta, and it's slotted for May 9th to 13th. And the purpose of it is to acknowledge the importance that um, economic developers play in our community. The second is for Public Works Week and it comes from the Alberta chapter of the American Public Works Association, and it is for May 15th to 21st. And the third is for National Accessibility Week, and it comes from Barrier-Free Barrier Alberta, and it's meant to acknowledge the importance that people with disabilities play um, in our community. So option one is a motion to approve all three proclamations with a separate motion for each proclamation. The advantages are for council and the town to be seen as supporting the causes championed by each of the proclamations. There is no disadvantages or financial implications. Option number two is to approve one or two of the proclamations with one motion per proclamation. The advantage is for the town and council to be seen as supporting the causes championed by the approved proclamations. And the disadvantages are for council and the town may be seen as not being in support uh, of the cause championed. And finally, option number three is to decline to approve of any of these proclamations. 
the advantages are none and the disadvantages are again to be seen as not being in support of the causes championed. So administration recommends that uh, council approve of all three proclamations with one motion per proclamation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, Councillor Shannon, would you perhaps um, move the proclamation for the economic development week of May 9th through 13th? And I'll be happy to do that. Okay. I think it's a very worthwhile um, recognition of the importance of basically our economy. So any further uh, discussion on that um, motion? All those in favor of uh, proclaiming the Economic Development Week of May 9th through 13th in Peace River. It is carried. Thank you. Um, Deputy Mayor, would you like to perhaps do the National Public Works Week and speak to that a bit? Oh, sure. I would like to move that the Town of Peace River declare National Public Works Week May 15th through 21st. Okay, and once again, I think uh, a very worthwhile um, uh, recognition week. Uh, we know that our public works people uh, work very hard to maintain our town and uh, sometimes at the expense of uh, their uh, family time, I would say. And uh, so it's very much appreciated. So we have a motion before us. All those in favor of the motion? It is carried. Thank you. Uh, the last one we have is the request for National Accessibility Week, which is May 29th through June 4th. And do we have a mover for that one? Councillor Good. Okay, and again, um, another very worthwhile uh, recognition and uh, just um, some thought into how accessible, how accessible our um, infrastructure and the rest of our programming and so forth has become in the last, um, I don't know, 15 years or so, I think there's been a bigger movement and before that, uh, we were still moving in the direction. And our town hall, town hall accessibility project will um, also uh, help with this. So, all those in favor of that motion? It is carried, thank you. And we now have um, a request for a decision on the sick leave policy. And uh, Acting CAO Bell, would you speak to this one? Thank you, Your Worship. Um, at the Governance and Priorities meeting on May 2nd, this particular policy was brought forward for Council's review with the uh, following changes. That Pardon CAO Bell. Bell. Oh, um, should, uh, oh, my apologies. Thank Sorry. you. I forgot to. So just for the public, uh, Councillor Good has left the uh, meeting due to, um, how do we phrase this? Yes. It is a pecuniary interest in that decision may affect, may affect the economic status of a family member. Thank you. Okay, Councillor Bill, or Councillor Bill, would you like to be a councillor tonight? <laughs> <laughs> acting, acting CAO is this one. Thank you. Um, the three changes as proposed and discussed at the governance and priorities meeting are in fact the same changes presented within the policy this evening. Uh, therefore, administration uh, provides um, two options for council. One, to adopt the revised sick leave policy as presented, 
or should council choose another option is that you retain the existing policy and, and not adopt the uh, adjustments or changes. Thank you. Councillors, any uh, discussion on this one? I'll go with the sick leave policy as presented. Okay, so Deputy Mayor moves the sick leave policy as presented. Uh, any discussion for the discussion? All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you. And the next one we have uh, Director Websdale with um, 2022 business license write offs. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, a little bit of background on this topic. It's been a while since this was looked at. It's been approximately a decade since administration looked closely at the uncollected business licenses, and there's approximately $32,000 built up over the past decade. That has been confirmed uncollectible by our staff. It's uh, overstating our assets, and specifically the accounts receivable. Um, previously, we had set up the allowance for the uncollectible assets. But we did not identify specific invoices. So part of the project this summer is to be looking at all of our accounts receivables and to going into each one of them line by line, identifying the invoices and bringing it to council for your approval to write such items off. To give a kind of a, a relative sense, business licenses will bring in about $80,000 in 2022 to, to give you a sense of the scope of it and what has been built up. If you took that 32,000 divided by the past 10 years, it's about $3,200 on an annual basis. So we have an attachment there. We have <clears throat> identified the specific invoices and then we've presented some options. And of course, the recommendation that we, we are giving to council this evening is that a council would approve the rate off of the $32,098 in uncollectible business licenses. Any questions that we can, can answer? So basically you perused the list and um, made that determination from best knowledge at this point in time? Absolutely, Your Honor. In speaking with the individual that oversees it, we went through it together. Okay, and um, best practice in future though would be to do this annually would certainly be on on top of it we have spoke a little bit vicky is kind of our our historian on collections and so we've had some very good discussions about better processes going forward that we'd like to put in place this summer and specifically recognizing weaknesses within the mga that have made it difficult in the past and alternative process that we can look at that will make it easier to have enforcement and to levy fines. Historically, it's been difficult to do that under the MGA. So what we'll be doing on a go forward basis is if there's not paid, we'll void the license and then they're operating a business without a license, giving us some better capability to, to write a ticket at, at that time. One of the things that we do want to do though is a bit of a community outreach maybe haven't talked in length on this particular area, but utilizing the CPO is to do just a informal visits and remind people that we're still waiting for the payment of this invoice 
and to work a little bit more on that face-to-face. -face. It's easy to make a phone call. It's easy to send a statement. It doesn't always get results. And sometimes a visit might be helpful. So that's that's in our planning for this summer. Councilor Carr? <clears throat> if we can't collect, and I think that's a great idea, but if we can't collect the fee for the um, business license, how are we going to collect a fine? My understanding is that there's a little bit more a legislative teeth to that than there is the business license. So we're thinking that might be a better avenue to pursue. We also want to stress that we want that if we have a CPO go by and visit, the, I can't stress it enough. Sometimes just that face-to-face -face visit, hey, just want to pop into your business, do we remind you, let's chat. I think that face-to-face -face has a lot of value and we're optimistic that that itself will get benefits that maybe we didn't have in recent years. Any further comments? A deputy mayor? If a business is operating with a license, do you find, do you find the business or do you find uh, the individual whose name or what name or what entity is on that sanction? My understanding is it's the individual because there's no business. And so the individual is operating a business without a license, I think is how it's interpreted. I, I, I know I've been asked by one individual if um, the town website could have a list of um, town businesses, which I guess would be another reason for people to pay their business license because they wouldn't get listed there for a little bit of publicity perhaps and that would be a wonderful idea and that's something that we're going to be looking into is to to frame it as a value proposition that this helps give awareness of your business it allows those wanting to support local businesses hey here's what exists up there I think this might have more detailed discussion very soon at an economic development level to exactly how we would do that. Good, thank you. Councillors, any further questions? Okay, would uh, someone care to move us forward with a motion on this for, or something? Councillor Shannon, what would your motion be? My motion would be to council to approve the write-off of $32,098 in uncollectible business license. Thank you. Uh, any further discussion? Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Okay, it is carried. Thank you, Director, for your work on that one. Next, we have uh, number five, a briefing note with respect to the Community Mental Health Task Force and uh, Director Bell. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, this request came out of a presentation uh, done by Mr. Mark Boychuk um, on April 11th uh, to Council. There was a presentation done at that time in regards to a task force on mental health and addictions. Uh, Council did make a motion at that time to bring forward a briefing note, so you are getting a slightly 
different version. You're getting a request for request for decision as a briefing note. Um, wasn't quite appropriate for the the request that's evolved out of this particular presentation. Um, there's been a, a request to have council member appointed to the task force um, that has being that is being developed by Mr. Boychuk. Attached to the report is an email that lays out uh, further information in terms of a, a broad and draft terms of reference. I don't want to get the impression that this is completely detailed and framework. I believe the task force would probably work on those details at um, their, some of their first meetings. But the information that has been provided attached to this report is from Mr. Boychuk of the intent of what that task force would look at doing. Um, the options provided to council are appointing a member of town council to this proposed task force. We look at the advantages of that being an opportunity to collaborate on a, uh, an issue that's impacting our community and region. Um, potential advocacy to the provincial government as the task force terms of reference indicate there's some want to work together in an advocacy format to speak to both provincial and even federal levels around these particular issues. Um, potential disadvantages, there it's as noted earlier, not very clear exactly of how often this task force would meet, exactly the details of it. So a council member needs to be aware of that prior to um, participating in this particular activity or be aware of what that might look like. Um, terms of reference are rather extensive. There's a, a, it's a very lengthy uh, list, so something else for a council member to consider. Um, and also the resource commitment, which in this particular case is the resource of the councillor's time to this particular committee. Um, Potential financial implications, uh, per diem rates, that type of thing, but other than those costs, that looks about it. Uh, option two is uh, accepting the, the request for information um, and stated advantages and disadvantages to that particular option. So um, the idea is this is a, uh, it's not a council committee, it's sort of equivalent to say the watershed, where the watershed uh, has its own um, terms of reference. It advocates for whatever it advocates for. It's not saying, um, Town of Peace River, you're advocating for this because the committee said it. Correct. It's saying watershed said it, so this would be saying whatever this committee said, they're saying it on behalf of so-called task force, whatever name that. Yes. Okay. Uh, Councillor Good, you had a point. Well, I'm just wondering if it might be beneficial, just a question, um, to move this to next meeting when Councillor Boychuk is here, or would you, would you rather have it handled now for the well, point somebody? I think Councillor Boychuk would have to excuse himself because he's got an interest in this. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's not, he's not doing it as a councillor, he's doing it as a private. Okay individual so why well, was a question not a motion yeah yeah 
Councillor uh, Carl. I think uh, Warren had asked that he be the the one to sit on. Can we do that all in one motion? Well, I, I kind of myself. Yeah, I would like to see something, if it's a part of the motion or whatever, that maybe this be understood or written down that it's only in, it's only uh, until maybe the next organizational meeting of town council, and then we want to re-examine the purpose of the committee because by then they should have had a terms of reference that it's a little more um, detailed and kind of we know what where it's going. But that's my thought on it. So a motion that I don't know if you can. Okay, I think I can word this. Um, I'm going to move that council appoint uh, Councillor Ford uh, to the proposed mental health and addictions task force until the 2022 organizational meeting. Okay, and at that meeting we can figure out if we want to continue to support the... Well, we do that with all of our committees yeah. at that meeting, so yeah. it'll just be part of that. Yeah, and by that time it'll be a little more clear as to where it's going perhaps yeah any further discussion on that motion everybody understands the motion councillor good okay. Uh, <laughs> okay sorry all those in favor of the motion any opposed nope okay it is carried thank you okay the next one we have a request for decision with respect to the 55 plus games opening ceremonies and um, Ms. Bell. Yes, um, we are pleased to invite on behalf of the 55, the Peace Region 55 plus Summer Games to invite the Mayor and Council to attend the opening ceremonies which will be held on Thursday, June 16th. I better get my dates and times correct because I'm supposed to be there also. Um, it will be hosted at the Mile Zero Multiplex in Grimshaw. And we ask that the mayor or designate provide some words of welcome, brief opening um, during that program and ceremonies. But all of the council is also invited to come and participate if they so choose. Someone care to focus us with the motion? Sure. Councillor Good, what would your motion be? <laughs> okay, the council be enabled to attend the opening ceremony on June 16th and the mayor or designate to bring greetings on behalf of the town. Yes. That's it. All those in favor of that motion? And just as an, it's carried on an aside, are they still looking for volunteers? Always, yeah, okay. Okay, so call your friends and neighbors and ask them if they'd like three days of wonderful community activity. Okay, thank you. Uh, the next one, we have the social media participant use policy and Director Bell. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, this particular policy was brought forward to Council at the May uh, Governance Priorities meeting. Uh, council reviewed the policy and proposed a slight amendment to the policy and I'm just scrolling down to speak to that. Uh, if I can find it. Uh, 1.2, we added the words, um, now I don't remember which of the two, defaming or degrading, degrade or belittle? Oh, we kept defame and we added degrading or belittling. 
as part of the conversation if, if council's agreeable to that from the GMP. So there is the rest of the policy is presented as discussed um, and administration so, has no further yeah. changes. So for the public out there or whatever or whoever, this is a policy that anybody using the town's social media, correct. if they put comments or something on it, that's what this is pertaining to. That's correct. This enables our communications coordinator and her designates that are managing any of our social media platforms um, to remove an individual if they violate any of these terms of use or guidelines for use. Well, everybody should be respectful. Councillor Good. I think that's a comment I want to make is that the, the idea behind this is not to limit good discussion. It's not to limit the bringing forth of uh, good ideas. And even if they, the ideas are totally oppositional and well thought out and discussed, that, that's phenomenal. I mean, that, that's what you do want. But wait. But I think our, our position was that it, we didn't want it to turn into a, a kind of a, an insult fest because that's not really productive going forward. People bringing forth contrary ideas, God bless them for doing it. You know, we need that. We, that that's, that's the, a lot of times that's the impetus for council to look at a view that you may not even have thought of. You could have somebody come up from almost left field or bring an idea that you hadn't considered. Which should be which should be well considered and should be brought to our attention. And that's an opportunity for people to do that. It's just to keep the conversation at a sort of a higher tone, respectful, and you know, very clear. Thank you. Any further comments? Would someone like to bring forth a motion? Sure. Councillor Good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will move the. Um, Social media participation policy. I'm not sure exactly what it was called. Okay, that we adopt the social media participant participant use policy. Correct. Okay, thank you for that. All those in favor of Councillor Good's motion? It is carried. Thank you. Next up, Director <coughs> McQuay, Neighborhood Infrastructure Renewal Open House. Thank you, Worship. Uh, this is your Worship and Council. This is an enabling motion to allow Council to attend the upcoming infrastructure renewal open house for 94th Avenue and is traditional uh, that we've been doing for the past couple of years in our neighborhood renewals we usually have two open houses one you know uh, mid-design uh, of the project to kind of get uh, resident feedback into the project and then one just before we start construction just to make sure all our residents are on the same page and everybody has the same understanding of the impacts going forward on that. I just have a question. Uh, do residents have the right to um, to uh, decline the project or just to show their their concerns? They uh, more to show their concerns. Uh, if you had a significant amount of residents on that project that where they didn't want that, then uh, then they could put forth a petition. And that has happened in the past with River Road, where residents didn't want a lot of their old growth trees uh, chopped down and we couldn't carry on with the project with the existing budget, so that project was moved. Uh, so we have done that. We've listened to our residents where they elected not to have the renewal take place and 
we put that renewal effort into those areas and that has actually is one of the reasons that 94th Avenue is actually moved up in the queue uh, and is uh, going to be done this summer. So, uh, but we also listen to our residents' concerns through there. Some residents say, well, you know, I'm a little worried about my particular tree here. Is there anything you can do about it? Well, and try to make accommodations where we can. Uh, or if residents would like an additional tree, and, you know, if I can make that work in the budget, we can do that too. Uh, so we kind of try to work with our residents throughout that, uh, and it's an opportune time to remind them of certain programs that are built, uh, especially with regards to their water and sewer services. If uh, some of those residents may have an aquaflow or a bleeder on their system, and that's an opportune time for them to revisit that, get rid of uh, that system, deepen their service, or uh, expose their service and insulate it. And there again, you know, we've got uh, under the water bleeder policy, we've got up to $4,500 that we can provide the resident for funding towards removal of that bleeder. So it's a good incentive for the residents uh, to, to take advantage of, of that at that point. So it's always been a, a good discussion during the design sessions and then we kind of outlined a lot of those programs during that time. Uh, the second open house is more geared towards uh, just the impacts during construction, what they can expect. You know, things like, you know, where am I going to put my garbage? Uh, where's my garbage going to be picked up uh, during the construction where we're tearing up all the front street? You know, things like uh, pedestrian traffic, how do they get out and about from their house? How do emergency services attend to their houses should they have an event? So all those little things we talk about uh, at this open house, the one just before construction. That way, our little residents, uh, you know, it's always a difficult time for them uh, during construction. And we just want to make sure that everybody's on the same page and everybody's aware and try to get through this uh, as quick and expedient of time as, as we can, and so at the end of the day, they get a much better neighborhood that much sooner. So the uh, the quest for decision in front of you is just the enabling motion to enable council to attend that event. Thank you. Any uh, further questions, discussion? I'll move that council would um, be enabled to attend the neighborhood infrastructure renewal open house on May 18th at the FF. At the basketball for six o'clock. That was good. <laughs> so at six o'clock. Okay. Uh, all those in favor of the motion? It is carried. Thank you, Mr. McQuaig. Uh, looking forward to the discussion. And our next one, Mr. McQuaig, is about receiving um, unpaved road, lane, and alley maintenance policy and contractors' hiring checklist policy. Yes, your worship and council. So this is a request for a decision to rescind uh, both those policies and as discussed uh, during the governance priorities meeting, uh, both these policies are more administrative in nature. Uh, several of the items in the uh, unpaved road and lane alley maintenance policy are more suited to places uh, within our general municipal servicing standards. So we'd like to move them out of the policy and put them into a directive and into the standards. 
Thank you. So any discussion or motions? Okay, I'll move to Council Repeal P3203A on Pay Road and Lane Alley Maintenance Policy and D12 199701 Contractors Hiring Checklist Policy. Thank you. Any further discussion? Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you, Mr. McQuaid. Uh, next up, we have Acting CAO Bell with an invitation to Woodland Creek First Nation. Thank you, Your Worship. <clears throat> this RFD is requesting counsel, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> if counsel would be interested in uh, pursuing a meeting with the Woodland Cree First Nation, there has been some interest in a council to council meeting, and we're bringing forward this RFD to formalize that request, and um, if counsel is agreeable to it, start proceeding on some development of meeting dates, agendas and the like the details yeah that's right yeah um, so we have not met with the Woodland uh, Cree First Nation Council in the past but many of their members definitely um, consider Peace River to be their town um, it's where they do a lot of their shopping and other um, services so I would think this would be um, very Friendly, what shall we say? So, but council, anybody care to put forth a motion? Councilor Shannon? I'll put forth a motion that we begin signing. So extend a formal invitation to, to Woodland Cree First Nation. Cree First Nation and start the yeah. proceedings for that. Okay. Um, any discussion? All those in favor? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you. Uh, now we have, um, well, this one's a long one. Uh, a request for decision on the establishment of an investment saving account and capital investment savings account. And um, probably Director Webstale, who looks ready to lead us on. I'd be happy to speak at length on that item, Your Worship. I'll give you a little bit of background. <laughs> Um, the town does not have a high interest bearing account, and I see high interest a little tongue in cheek, but right now we get basically nothing. So we have a checking account, we have a tax sales surplus account, and at such time as we have a tax auction, the funds go in there and they're held in trust. And we have a 31 day and a 90 day notice on demand account, which is I kind of think of it as a GIC. We put the money in, and if we want it out, we have to reach out to ATB and say, hey, we'd like our money in 31 days. And that goes into the queue, and we can't touch it for 31 days. And so when we're wanting to transfer money, it takes a little bit of planning on our part, and there's a, there's a missing account option here, and that's namely a, just a savings account. So you'll see in that little request for decision here, we talk about mush. It's just it's a lovely little acronym, municipalities, university, schools, hospitals, and so because we're a municipality, we get MUSH accounts. So what I would bring to council this evening is that a request that we would approve a MUSH savings account, it would give a little bit of interest, it would give a little more flexibility to our banking, 
and it would just better round out the banking options that we have available to our staff and to accounts payable specifically. And uh, someone just asked me if a mush account is a slush account. No, it's, it's slightly different. So that is what I'm asking of council. And is there any, any questions? So it just facilitates the movement of um, money in a more timely fashion, plus maybe earns at least 0.25% interest or something. Oh, about 0.45. Oh my. I know, be still. Um, it, it's a little better option than what we have, and it just it better rounds out the banking. It's kind of a missing hole in the banking options we have available to us, and so it would be just helpful to, to have that option. If this is better, do they charge us for storing your money? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it feels that way. No interest rates have been, for the last little while, just yeah. abysmal. <coughs> and this would give us a small premium of where we're getting. I think we're going to see higher interest rates this summer. And so I made the comment in the, the request for decision here. I think it's timely to pursue one of these. Um, because of the uncertainty, I am not really that familiar with all your detailed operations yet. And being a little anxious about where we'd be cash-wise before we levied the property taxes, we moved a lot of money into the checking account because I've got 31 days that I've got to cover if I'm too low. So right now we're probably, well, frankly we're several million dollars in the checking account, which is higher than it needs to be but I didn't want to run it short. So having a, a same day transferability to a savings account goes a long ways towards having the appropriate amount to get a little bit of interest and then have a little less exposure in the checking account. Good. Any other discussions? Can you move it from your phone? <laughs> we probably could. We've got the two-factor authentication in place, so I think it takes the phone, it takes the email, and it takes one of our computers, so. That's why it's mush. <laughs> okay, um, would someone care to uh, put forward a motion? Councillor Carr, would you like to make a motion to have council approve the creation of a savings account with the ATB? You would? Like to earn some money there? Okay, all those in favor of that motion? It is carried. Good luck with the interest rates to the positive for us. Yeah. Um, okay, thank you. And next up, we have Acting CAO Bell on the um, uh, local government fiscal framework um, discussion. Thank you, Your Worship. This is actually an, a more of an enabling motion uh, request for council in terms of attending a municipal engagement session that is uh, prepared for May 17th from 3 to 4.30 p.m. in regards to the renewed MSI program with new, uh, new, new title and potential new criteria. So this gives council an opportunity to attend the session and provide some um, feedback into the, that proposed process. So this is Alberta municipalities, and uh, basically Alberta municipalities would be putting forth their thoughts on this new framework. Likely the rural municipalities would put forth their thoughts, and the minister has said he's very interested in 
learning of these thoughts before he makes a decision, which uh, is going to be effective, I think it's the beginning of 2024, so it's coming up rather uh, quickly. AM has been working on this for a while. It's quite a lengthy uh, process. I, I'm wondering, as part of our discussion tonight, do, do any counselors who've uh, managed to read their way through this have anything in particular that they'd like to highlight? Like we want it to be to the benefit of our talent, of course. So <laughs> it's quite the document. Counselor, yeah, counselor, good. Well, in just in simple terms, um, there's none, it seems to be put, uh, allocating dollars on the basis of, <clears throat> excuse me, a formula and not need. So you can need the money, but you don't qualify. You cannot need the money and qualify, you get the money. They talk about high assessment municipalities, and you can have two municipalities with pretty much identical infrastructure, pretty much identical population, pretty much identical what, but one has a high assessment rate, like for example, has a pulp mill, and like there's some towns in Alberta that have pulp mills in town. They have a higher assessment rate. The rest of their infrastructure can be very, very comparable to another municipality, but the one with the higher assessment kind of gets more money. But a lot of that high assessment comes with very, very low input costs. For example, linear assessment, machinery, equipment, it can be argued are very, very low cost assessment sources. Um, the amount of money you have to put in to generate the dollar back is really, really, um, to, well, th th and this has been supported by economists in Alberta, um, PhD level economists you, that I could quote if you really want to get into it, but basically they're low cost assessments. So uh, a town, that a community that has high cost assessments, like in order to get assessment on a residential or assessment on a small business, you have to provide a tremendous amount of infrastructure. To get assessment out of a, out of a, a, you know, a pipeline, you basically have to let them dig a hole. And then you can forget about any more kind of investment. So I think that this, I think that this doesn't really address those kinds of concerns and it kind of rewards you for having an assessment that you may or may not have to have, to have any input costs. And I think that's a real, a real glaring discrepancy and a problem with it. Other than that, so we should get involved, yes. is yes. what I'm hearing. So step one, um, I'll move that council being able to attend the LGFF Municipal Engagement Session May 17th. And 3 PM we can engage. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Any further discussion? Your Worship, if I can just add a little bit here, I'd really encourage council to just read through it. It's a bit of a read, but even just looking at page 26 of their slides, it talks about equitable income and they're looking at assessment per capita. And that's an interesting discussion that this council has talked about in the past. They're talking about the debt limits available to the municipality, talking about reserve levels, own source revenue to assessment, your ability to generate revenues within the municipality on your services. And there is some very interesting discussions I think that will come out of this that would be very good for, for council to hear. Thank you. 
Okay, the one I caught my eye was kilometers of local roads, and I wasn't quite sure if that was to positive or negative with respect to us compared to otherwise. And by local roads, they also talked about, well, I guess kilometers of water, wastewater, etc., would be the same discussion because, quite frankly, you can have a rural municipality with lots of kilometers of both of those for different reasons than the town would. Well, that's another area where I did a bit of research is that, for example, um, I, I, my numbers are old, probably about six or eight years old, but at that time the rural municipalities um, paid, were responsible for about 85% of the road infrastructure. But urban municipalities were responsible for about 90% of the um, sewer and water main infrastructure. And also, kilometer of roads does not, if you look at the expense side, and I've done some research on that, if you look at the expense side, a kilometer of dirt road has a certain cost. A kilometer of road in, in a town or a city also includes lighting, curbing, paving, guttering, all that other, all the other sort of amenities and costs that go into having a road. So you can have two communities with an identical, based on a kilometer of road, but massively higher costs on one side or another. And if you're just going to do it on the straight figure of the road, it doesn't really reflect a lot of those input costs. So yeah, and there's other there's other things you can go into, but it, yeah, it's the, the problem is it's a very, very complex discussion with a lot of very, very complex issues um, that it sounds really good to say we're responsible for 85% of the roads, therefore we deserve all the money. Well, the urban municipalities have 85% of the population, so we deserve all the money. Well, neither one of those is a good argument, to be very honest with you, not without taking into a lot of that other stuff into consideration. Thank you. Okay, so we've got a motion on the floor. I think we have a motion, right, Deputy? Okay. Um, the motion was to have council be enabled to attend um, this LGFFF municipal engagement session on May 17th from 3 to 4.30. It's by Zoom um, or something like that. Uh, all those in favor of that motion? Great. Um, admin, if you could just let us know, should we register ourselves? Is that the most straightforward way of doing it or what's best? Sorry, I'm just I'm uh, trying to think aloud without thinking aloud. It might be easier. For I believe it would be easier if the individuals could, given the disparity in scheduling and how close it is to the event. Yeah. So, could you send out information? I will make sure to resend it so that council has access to the registration information. Yeah, I think if you, <coughs> yeah, okay, okay, thank you very much, and thank you, Director Webstale. Okay, uh, last one in this section, it seems to be uh, Community Services Board Appointments, uh, Director Bell. Yes, thank you, Your Worship. Uh, we are presenting a report this evening for the appointment of two new board members to the Community Services Board. We do have three vacancies on the board. One of the vacancies is an individual of Indigenous heritage, so we continue to uh, advertise and look for an individual to fill that position. The two uh, appointments of two individuals presented in this report are Nassar Iqbal and Caitlin Martineau. They are, have been reviewed by the Community Services Board at their last regular meeting and provide council with a motion of recommendation to appoint the two individuals 
for pub two public members at large, uh, each for th three-year appointments. Thank you. Um, councillors would perhaps like to put forward a motion on this one. And these have to be done in separate motions, or can this be one motion? Okay. I'll move Council appoint Sarah Ball and Caitlin Martineau to the Community Services Board for three-year terms as public members at large. Thank you. All those in favor of the motion? Opposed? It is carried. Thank you very much. Okay, on to reports. <coughs> the first one, we have the draft minutes of the May 3rd Peace Regional Healthcare and Attraction Retention Committee. And um, uh, Ms. McQuaig and I attended <coughs> this. Ms. McQuaig is actually a public member of the board and or the committee and uh, basically we're looking for a time to do our annual thank you event to healthcare workers and we're having a little bit of difficulty in um, finding a venue and finding a um, uh, an event that's suitable we were thinking of doing something on the hospital grounds but at this point in time AHS still has a policy in place that admin should not um, facilitate the gathering of uh, such groups uh, so we're putting that off that's our main thing but what I would like to also mention is that um, our uh, committee got recognized and uh, we won a 2020 um, Rhapsody Award for um, the community category and uh, we were finally able to uh, have a little get together and uh, presented this to ourselves. We were quite happy. <laughs> oh, the meal was good. <laughs> was. Anyways, um, very pleased to do that. And we've nominated over the course of years um, other groups such as the OR department, which won one year. We nominated the uh, diagnostic imaging department, which uh, unfortunately did not win, but we thought was very worthy. Uh, several doctors have been nominated over the course of the years. And uh, we're looking for an announcement at Rural Health Week, which is later this month, to see what happens with our last nomination. So, the next one, we have the minutes from the April 6th uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, membership meeting. Um, and uh, the minutes for that one are here. Uh, I think of note is um, the First of all, Peace Winter Games did a presentation here. And second of all, there was lots of discussion about a, a company called Neethical. Anyways, it has to do with um, lithium. And uh, this company is uh, looking around our region, actually, at the lithium deposits and how they can mine them and uh, uh, actually do a production. So we're interested in more on that. And I will say that at the last meeting last week, um, uh, Councillor Shannon was in attendance, myself, and Director Websdale. And Director Websdale basically um, presented the uh, 2022 budget to the chamber. And um, he managed to keep them entertained for an hour. And they were actually asking questions. And uh, so hopefully they got good information out of it and uh, just more awareness of the circumstances of uh, the town with respect to budget and so on. Would either of you like to say anything further on 
I would just like to say that I did get some compliments on Director Wedgedale's presentation and that the way that he presented it with the facts uh, was really appreciated by, by some at the meeting and I just think that's worth mentioning. Thanks. Yeah, so thank you, Dr. Dr. Webster. I, I, I got healthcare on the line, so you want to be a doctor? Well, doctor today. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, yes, it was a very uh, good presentation, and he had lots of data, and uh, the um, uh, technology actually worked there, and uh, I think people were able to read what they wanted to and uh, liked his examples. So thank you again. Would someone care to move the acceptance of uh, the Section 9 reports 1 and 2 for information? Uh, I can do that. Councillor Shannon, all those in favor? Carried, thank you. Now on to information. There's an EEOP course, Land Use and Development Approvals course. Um, this came across my email. I thought it might be of interest just um, basically of interest to any and all, and maybe a, a motion to enable counselors to uh, take this course if they wish. It is, uh, I think it's free, it's by um, uh, virtual. So that's all I can say on that one, really. It starts this week. Is anyone, before we make a motion, is anyone able, like this does not fit my world, but does it? Absolutely, I'll yeah. move that councillors being able to attend the EOEP I was very interested in that. course. Um, Land use and development approvals. There we go. Okay. Um, all those in favor of that? It is carried. Thank you very much. Uh, we actually got a reply to our letter from the Alberta <coughs> Utilities Commission response to our letter of concern. And uh, reading through that, um, Basically, they have something in here about uh, uh, the cost of capital and the AUC has reduced that rate to 8.5% from 9.6% and this has something to do with uh, the cost that they're able to charge. So it sounded like a little good news. However, we're to keep um, sending forth our uh, issues is basically what I thought of in the letter. And the other, well, is there any comments from anyone on that one? Good. Okay, the other one was a letter from Ms. Minister McIver regarding the meeting with Deputy Mayor and uh, Councillor Shannon at the RMA, basically just um, acknowledging the meeting and saying keep on bringing concerns. It would seem that our big, our big ask was forwarded onto the correct department, so that's probably something that we want to you know, follow up on potentially in person if we can get in front of the uh, the Minister of Infrastructure and Transportation. Good. Okay. So, any further questions or comments on that one? Would someone care to move the information items 10, 1, 2, and 3 for um, <laughs> information? <laughs> uh, Councillor Carr? Okay, Councillor Carso moves. All those in favor? Great. Okay, notice this motion. Do we have any that have come? Nope. Okay, comments from the public? Uh, the honoring of my next door neighbor, Diane. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, she has put a lot of uh, volunteer time into that uh, committee, so it was great. 
We're sorry to lose her, but uh, yeah. Uh, key communication items. Miss um, Bouchard, what's your thoughts? Thank you. So um, the reward to. Let's see. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the award to Diane uh, Lavoie, it comes to mind, as well as all bylaws. Um, additionally, the proclamations and the appointments to the Community Services Board, as well as any other key items that the Resident Council finds necessary. Um, I would like to suggest the uh, passing of the various bylaws, you know, and uh, not on this agenda, but of note, I think it's May 17th and 18th this week that we have the new spring cleanup happening, I think. Councillor, or <laughs> Councillor McQuaig, how's that one? <laughs> Everybody's getting a different title. What do you want to be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, that is coming up uh, this week. Next like that one. Okay, so um, basically people should look at the list of what they can put out, keep it within the confines of the two meters by six meters, I think it was, and um, uh, follow through. And it's uh, our first time through, so we ask for a bit of patience from the public and uh, as we can adjust for future years to see what we might be doing in those years. I think that's all yet. Yeah. Should be clear, yeah. See, May 17th and 18th are those two dates for the November uh, spring cleanup. Good. Okay. So, looking forward to it. I'm not sure what I'm putting out, but I'm putting out something to participate. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think, uh, let's see, closed session, we um, deleted that. Um, another motion? Anybody? Motion to adjourn. Okay, this is my earliest meeting. Um, motion to adjourn the meeting. All those in favor? It's kind of early. <laughs> <laughs> it is carried. Thank you, everybody.